What does loving your neighbor actually look like? This is Journey with Care, where curious Canadians get inspired to love others well through real life stories and honest conversations. Hey, before starting this episode, I just wanted to give a special thank you to Marlon and Deb Peters for your generosity in helping keep the podcast going. If anyone else would like to help support the podcast, you can head over to journeywithcare.ca or just check the show notes in your podcast player. All right. Welcome to Journey with Care. If you're wondering why you're not hearing Wendy on here, you will be in a few weeks. Just for the start of the season, I've taken over a little bit. We just wrapped up three episodes where I was on with our adopted daughter, Danica. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Uh, it kind of leads into our next two episodes, which we will be interviewing our own Kathy Boschman. She's part of our Care Impact team. We are going to be delving into her story of adopting her and her husband's child internationally. Welcome to the podcast, Kathy. Thanks, Johan. It's so good to be here with you. Now, Kathy's been on the podcast before, I think maybe once or twice even. Twice, yes. Twice. Yes, I've had the privilege. You're such a lovely guest, so it's always good to have you back on. And I know you have more stories to share. You have like even stories about some of the work you've done with Care Portal. We'll mm -hmm. find a way to get those out of you at some point, maybe not in these <laughs> interviews, but we really want to hear your story about uh, adopting your son. Uh, I don't actually know much of the story. I've just heard bits and pieces in conversations with you. And I've met your son, Sammy, and it'd be great to hear the story. Well, in this first episode, we'll focus on how you and your husband came to deciding to adopt and what that process was like and some of the supports and challenges along the way. And then maybe mm -hmm. we'll talk about when you finally got to adopt and bring him home and actually go out there to get him and bring him back. That, I really want to hear that part of the story as well. So this first episode, I really want to focus on how you guys made that decision. So, so Kathy, how far back would you say has adoption been something that has even come to mind for an option for you in the future? I think not, I didn't know a lot of adopted people like when I was growing up or anything, but the idea of adoption never was a challenge for me. I know from growing up in the church community, there's folks I had adopted and were my friends. And so I don't, I don't think there was ever an opposition, but I never expected that would be part of our journey. I think what led us to that point. There's a lot of years in there. Eric and I were married, I guess we'd be called young now in our early 20s. And uh, I had always expected, you know, that we'd follow the, what I would consider the normal path and get married a couple of years later, have some kids. And, and that didn't happen for us. We actually were dealt with infertility for over a decade. So that very difficult time led us to the place where we had to consider adoption because of medical reasons. That was our path that we were going to take. If you're willing to go there, do you want to talk about what that season of infertility was like for, for that decade for you and your husband? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was obviously different for both of us. Uh, I was very eager to have family, uh, children already, and Eric had his own place that he was at. But um, it was difficult. I still remember going into that, telling my actually two girlfriends that I worked with that they were both adopted, actually, and saying to them, wow, today marks 100 cycles that I we haven't gotten pregnant. 
And that realization was like so disheartening that it's kind of hit this real significant marker. And I think what was the hardest was adoption wasn't, we weren't talking about adoption at that point. So it seemed like this this was sort of where my story of longing to be a parent was, you know, kind of ending with unrealized dreams about becoming a parent. So it was very hard. Depression is very dark time. But even in the midst of that pain, I felt like the, my connection with God just was deepened somehow, even though the temptation would be like to ask, where are you? And there were times where I was asking why. But in the midst of that, realizing that that deep pain that I had within me, that his presence was there. He was in me and it was a reminder of his presence in my life. And that kind of broke things open for me. And just being able to release this situation, these un- unmet dreams to him and longing for for family, which I knew is something that he'd given me and part of who we are as humans wanting to, you know, have offspring and, and raise families, very normal biological desire. But it was also a very emotional one for me. Now, I would imagine a lot of people that have similar experiences of gone through some challenges even in their communities where they're probably hearing questions like, when are you having kids? And why haven't you had kids yet? Those sorts of questions. So this podcast is about how we can love and care for our community and our neighbors better. I believe there are things that we can not do to also care for them better. And that is like asking those types of questions. Maybe tell us a little bit about what your experience was when you heard those sorts of things. What did that do to your heart? And and how did that mm. affect you guys emotionally? Yeah, for sure. Insensitive people just saying, what's wrong? Why aren't you have kids? You know, there were some very challenging times for me. I got to the point where I couldn't go to showers, baby showers anymore. Uh, even for people who had also dealt with infertility and you know, we're excited that they were pregnant. It was just so difficult. Mother's Day, very difficult. One Sunday that was, one Mother's Day that was particularly helpful was when they were honoring all the mothers and grandmothers and that they invited anyone who was longing to be mother, but hadn't yet been able to conceive or become a mother to invited them also to come receive a rose or, or whatever it was. And I remember telling, you know, people in my community and others dealing with infertility about that. They're just floored. They were like, what church do you go to? I want to come. <laughs> you know, that had been just so meaningful. And I think for people to understand when you can't go to those kind of events because it's too painful, just that acknowledgement, I think that is a very helpful thing for people going through that kind of pain. And it, not just first time infertility. A lot of women, families, couples struggle with secondary infertility. Like they can have one child, but for some whatever reason, they don't conceive again or can't conceive again. And equally, it's it's. I'm sure that's equally as painful and can be acknowledged. And that's a beautiful picture of how a church is caring for those that are struggling with infertility. And uh, just the way you're you're speaking about that reminds me of our last interview of season two with Rebecca on singleness, on how the church celebrates a lot of the things that couples have in marriage, showers, and all those sorts of things, and. As single individuals, they don't get that as well. So, like, how mm. can we care for these ones that can't necessarily have those same experiences as a lot of people would say are normal, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so coming back to our original question, when did you make that decision that you wanted to adopt? What was that conversation like? How did that come up? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I think there's a lot of things at play. Eric's brother and wife were also dealing with infertility at the same time uh, for other other reasons than our own. And they started that process. And so I think them working through that really helped us emotionally consider that. We did look at fostering as an option to, while we waited, you know, to have our own, as the saying goes. We looked into that and actually did the the training or orientation and kind of realized, no, we really want to be parents. We We love children, but being a parent is what we wanted. And I so honor anybody that has chosen to foster because it's an incredible, I, I just am amazed at people who open their homes and hearts to be able to move in that sphere. After we went to the orientation and, and honestly checked it out, we just felt like, no, we, we want to parent children. We looked at local adoption and there is one agency, Adoption Options, and we went through all their orientation and home studies and whatnot. And for whatever reason, we were not chosen by birth parents to become parent to their children. We had our name looked at, at, I think, seven times in two years that we had our name with them. And even before we had signed up, I said to Eric, I said, two years, like, I don't think I can go beyond two years. If that isn't working, like, let's go for, I would like to go for an international. Do you have a little bit of information on how that process actually works with that adoption agency. I was just curious about how that worked. Like you were chosen. So like what was their mm. selection process? And In the process of applying and doing home studies and whatnot, you also put a little photo album and a write-up about yourself and your family and things you enjoy, you value, his, you know, some of your family history. Then when birth parents, typically mom, but sometimes there's father involved, will come in, they've decided to place their child for adoption. They will be shown, I think it's a few, several of these different albums, photo albums, we'll call them. And then they can look at those and they can choose a family within that to consider placing their child with. So really that's all there is to sort of say, hey, choose me. I would love to parent your child. And the beauty of the adoption options is that you can make it as open or closed as you, as you, both couples or both birth and adoption, adoptive families are comfortable with. And so there can be relationship between the child and the birth family, which is a beautiful thing for the child, you know, just to be able to know where they came from and, and be loved by both, by both families. Okay. So you guys are on the waiting list for two years, you said, mm-hmm. and then you decide you know what, maybe we need to look internationally. So mm-hmm. that comes up in conversation. Where do you start? Like, does it, does that feel overwhelming when you make that decision? I think I'd been in it for so long. And even just making the decision to adopt, even to put our name forward locally. I think that's where the big crux was to make that final decision. I mentioned Eric's brother and sister-in-law. They did an international adoption. And so that really solidified it for Eric, for sure. When they sent us photos of our niece and nephew for the first time, when we got those, Eric just like, 
he was in love with them. What country were they from? Kazakhstan. They're from Kazakhstan. You know, he, in realizing, wow, like these are my brother's kids and I love them. Like whether they're born of his body or come to them through adoption, he realized, wow, love doesn't have a barrier. And so uh, I think in that realization, it's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. It, It really confirmed for us that that was a good way to grow our family. And there were some trepidation with family members. There were some that weren't sure about adopting from Africa in particular. I think some people maybe had to work through some underlying racism or having grown up in a culture that having biracial family was not as acceptable in that generation or as I was I mean, completely uncommon, I think, in the generation. Do you feel like you needed to have those conversations with them to convince them? Or what was that what was that like? Yeah. Eric and I each had a, a family member that was had a challenge with it. And I remember speaking with in my family, it was my father, and he's like he he honestly just wanted to understand. I'm not sure if it was so much racism as um what's the difference between adoption and slavery? And just trying to understand, I think honestly understand, you know, the motivation for us, right? And so just being able to say to him, we were at the cottage at the time and helping him to understand my deep desire to have children and saying to him, Dad, if you didn't have kids, you'd be sitting here alone all by yourself at the cottage. And from that moment on, he never asked me again. He never questioned it. He understood. You felt some support from him from from that point? Yeah, I did. I mean, he loved Sammy. Like, Mm. there was no doubt about it. You know, just seeing him connect with Sammy as best as he could. He knew how. And uh, a real bond between them, you know. Neither of them were really big talkers, but uh, I knew that there was uh, that connection with them over yeah, a few different things. I think that was a really important conversation to have, just to settle it in his mind, you know, that adoption isn't about owning somebody. It's about being in relationship with somebody and that it's a mutual thing, not wanting to be heroes wasn't about us, you know, marching in, oh, we're going to save this person's life, you know, this child's life. Never entered our mind. It was very selfish reasons that we adopted. We wanted to be parents. And this was a way, and we knew that there was a child out there who wanted to be part of a family. So it was totally mutual and uh, remains mutual. The joy, the love that we experienced together as a family is irreplaceable. For those of you that have listened to my episodes with Danica, we are saying the same thing. Like we didn't feel like the heroes bringing in this adult that needed to have that that father heart in her life. Like she brought value when she came into her home just as much as we brought value to her. Like it was a mutual gift mm-hmm. from the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and that's really what it is. So other than your your brother-in-law 
What about those family members and community that surrounded you and encouraged you along the way? What kind of things would they say to you and how, how did they encourage you in this process? I had uh, met a woman through uh, our adoption agency and she and I walked thousands of kilometers together. Weekly, we'd be out two, three times a week walking and talking. And that was sanity for me. Uh, having somebody who one understood the challenges of infertility and adoption and the weight and the all the effort that it really takes to adopt internationally. So that whole mental health piece was huge, having that person. We had dozens of people praying for us. I remember when we hit the 10-year mark of uh, dealing with infertility, doing a family photo, just Eric and I, just and sending that out to our our church community, whom we knew was praying for us and wanting to to help us meet to become parents. Uh, it's always a tough thing to know. Like people don't want to ask you all the time, you're pregnant like that because mm -hmm. there's so much disappointment. But you also do appreciate the times when people are just willing to say, hey, we're, so, we're thinking about you, you know, walking through this difficulty. And we had very supportive small group. I remember times when I couldn't go to small group, just it was just too difficult. And one in particular where one of the leaders, she came over, like when I called and said, I can't, I just can't come. She says, I'll be right over <laughs> and walked and came over to be with me in our own little small group while the rest carried on with their their time together. But So how important would you say are those support systems around you, like having a small group and a spiritual community just to help you guys through that process? Would you be adopting if you didn't have that? Like how much harder would have that been? Oh, I, I can't imagine not having had that kind of support and people alongside family members. Like I said, Eric's brother and his wife, having been through it themselves and having had their example of how they processed it and how they, how seeing how their life had changed and how challenging it was to be able to prepare us mentally, emotionally, spiritually for the changes that we were experiencing and what was coming. And uh, that was huge. So community connection with other people having gone through it, just really, really important. And I can't imagine having done it without them. What are some of those first steps that you had to take when going through this international adoption process? We had done, for our local adoption process, we had already done a home study, but thankfully they allowed us to use some of that uh, for our second home study. We had to update it, obviously, but the home study, it can be very scary going into it. Um, you hear a lot of the think, negative oh, stuff. Yeah, like, oh, quick, we got to fix the house before, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's not about the house. It's about your family. It's about your relationship. And it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of working through things together as a couple how are you going to parent? How were you parented? How are, are you going to parent? How do you resolve conflict in your marriage? And so many different aspects that you have to think about. I have said to, well, I've said to many people, if everybody had to go through that process before they get pregnant, there would be a whole lot less kids in the world because <laughs> it is daunting. Um, 
I'm sorry for any of you out there who are thinking about adopting, but it's it's just a lot. It's daunting in the sense that having to dig up through all to think those through those things that you aren't forced to think through just in regular day to day relating with your spouse. Maybe it's like going through therapy. <laughs> so it's good in that way, right? Make sure you are on the same page for how you're going to move forward. So would you say that process was helpful or was it a little too complicated? I think it was helpful in the sense that you do get to be on the same page and understanding, wow, we have different approaches or, oh, we are more on the same page as we thought than we thought we were. Especially when things, as you know, as a parent, that things get kind of rough and, you know, it's just like, well, how are we going to handle this? And real having had those conversations earlier is super beneficial for sure. So that that is just one aspect. But the other one is the mountain of paperwork is challenging. I mean, like I said, it's been years ago already that we did the initial paperwork, but it feels like you're constantly submitting forms and writing things and updating things as you're waiting, you know, from the, I think when we started till Sammy came home was at least four years, like started with local adoption, right? And then it was, yeah, maybe four and a half years. Uh, In the midst of our adoption, something very unusual happened was that we actually had a place, a child placed with us before Sammy. And, um, the only second time in the history of our adoption agency, the birth mother changed her mind, which was so hard. It was mm-hmm. like a death. I have never had a miscarriage, but I'm guessing it was probably very close to what a family would, parents would experience with the loss of an unborn child. It was so hard. And I remember where I was when I got the phone call. The beautiful part of that whole pain uh, was that evening. I remember our house group leaders at the time and one of our pastors and his wife, who are friends of ours, came over and just sat with us. And just like, as we all just kind of shook our heads, like what happened? We thought we were at the end of the our wait, you know, and then to have that child taken from us as well was so, so, so hard. So did that bump in the road did that kind of make you guys rethink the whole process again? No, no. We were determined. We were just that, no, we we didn't let that deter us from our desire and seeing that dream come true. And within three months, they had found another um, Sammy for us that uh, to come. And I, I just look back and say, yeah, that, I mean, beautiful for that, that child that they got to grow up with their birth mom, birth family, like I should be celebrating while I was grieving this loss. I only more recently realizing, wow, what a wonderful thing for for that little person that they got to grow up in their hometown with their their family uh, throughout their life till now. And we would not have Sammy, like he wouldn't have joined our family. And we really believe that he was can we say destined to be our son? God knew who we needed and he knew who Sammy needed and he brought us together. How did that come about in determining which child would be brought into your home? With the international adoption, they there is no choice as far as from in our the program we were in. They 
basically send you a profile and say, hey, how about this one? When you apply on there, you say what age of child you would like to adopt. You say what your you know, physical limitations that you'd be open to, you know, whether it was heart issues or lung issues. Like you, it's, it really feels weird filling out this form saying, yeah, I'm okay if there's epilepsy. And no, I'm not okay if there's diabetes. I'm, I'm okay if there's this and not that. It's like, yeah, it just feels very wrong when you're doing it. Especially as a believer, right? Where you see everybody has intrin- intrinsic value that the Lord has placed mm-hmm. in them. Like, I, I don't know how, how I would even navigate that. That must have been difficult for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And they really coach you through it when you're going for the adoption. Well, our agency did too. And just saying, like, really trying to help us, like, don't feel bad. Just write what you're, what possibilities you are open to. And for some, they might not be willing to deal with any physical limitations. Eric, being a nurse, we were very open to it that we, with his medical background, we weren't intimidated by that possibility. So maybe we were a little bit more open than other people. I don't know. But yeah, um, that was one piece. And then immigration is another part of the process. So once you get connected with a child, placed with a child, then more waiting happens. So we knew about Sammy. We said yes to him, the profile he gave us. And then then that sort of sets off uh, another process. He needs to go to a doctor. He needs to get approved by the Canadian government to be able to come live here, that his medical needs aren't so big that they wouldn't be willing to take care of him. Canadians are not allowed to adopt children with AIDS or HIV who are HIV positive or weren't at that time. How old was Sammy when his name came into your hands? He must have been three and a half months old. And where was he living at the time? Our adoption agency had a children's home in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. And it was so it was run by staff whom we had hired. And there is a power of attorney. The director becomes the power of attorney for the families that are adopting. And they have a nurse on like 24 hours. There's a nurse or nurses, I'm not sure, in the home. And they had a doctor who would always come in just for for those kids. So it was run as if it was a Canadian, um, well, as Canadian as it could be, you know, as the expectations that Canadians would have on taking care of children. So they did a really, really good job uh, with the children. Now, next episode, we're going to get into when you actually get to meet him. We'll, We'll get into that story. Two more things. First of all, you guys get all your paperwork in. The decision has been made. What's the feeling like with those that have been supporting you and surrounding you in prayer this whole time? Oh, I'm sure they were relieved <laughs> as much as we were excited. Yeah, it would have been a community celebration to know, you know, that the paperwork had all been done and we'd been received our referral for Sammy and that we'd said yes. Yeah, just as excited as they were the first time, there was probably even greater excitement the second time with some trepidation on all our parts, you know, that this would actually happen because it was a good 10 months before we actually went to Ethiopia and the whole immigration process taking place during that time. All right, and we'll end with this. If you got to go back to to that time when you guys decided to adopt, what, what piece of advice do you wish someone would have given you 
or even words of encouragement that you would have liked to hear at that time? I think what comes to my mind is that it will be worth the wait. As hard as this is, it will be worth the wait. That's beautiful. All right. So next week, we're going to get into when you actually get to meet Sammy, that little bit of adventure that you got to go on. Mm -hmm. I know when I first met you, we talked about Ethiopia because I did some study on Ethiopia and and some of the cultural aspects and the Ark of the Covenant, things like that, that I was really into. I'm still into that stuff, but we're not going to get into that next week. But (laughs) we'll talk about your adventure going and meeting Sammy. Awesome. So until next week. Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care, where we inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. You can visit their website at careimpact.ca or visit journeywithcare.ca to get more information on weekly episodes, Journey with Prayer, and details about our upcoming events and meetups. You can also leave us a message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast and helping these stories reach the community. Together, we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious. Stay curious.